This is Mission.org. On this episode of Marketing Trends, we interview Shannon Duffy, an SVP of Marketing at Salesforce. In this episode, we talk about how to build a marketing team from the ground up, how she takes complex things and makes them simple. And we also talked about how Melrose Place inspired Shannon to get into marketing in the first place. Now, Shannon Duffy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, and I'm joined by a special guest. We always say special guest, but really, the, you are a special guest. All guests are special. Shannon Duffy, how's it going? Great. How are you? You know, it's a beautiful day here in San Francisco. We're sitting at Salesforce Tower. We're on the 12th floor, so we have a good view and a lot of windows. And I'm really excited to talk about marketing you have an extensive career talking a lot about B2B, a lot of SaaS, mm-hmm. and want to dive right into it. Great. Tell I love me, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. So I have been in marketing for 20 years. And unlike some people, I knew very early on that I wanted to do marketing. I don't know if I knew it was called marketing. I think like other kids were playing like, oh, let's play doctor or let's play lawyer. And I was like, let's play advertising agency. So I knew early on that that's kind of what I wanted to go into. I have mainly worked in B2B, primarily in the online digital space, which is now transformed pretty much into SaaS product marketing, which has been great. Tell me a little bit about your current roles and responsibilities here at Salesforce. So I run product marketing for our platform, our Einstein, and our Einstein Analytics product lines. And so for the unsophisticated folks out there in the audience, what does platform do, what does Einstein do, and what your analytics do? So platform is pretty exciting in terms of how it fits into Salesforce because platform is two things. It's the underlying technology, which our sales cloud and our service cloud are built on, but we also package up that functionality so our customers can build applications using all the great goodness that comes with that technology. So that's the platform and the platform's kind of everywhere within Salesforce. A few years ago, Salesforce announced Einstein, which is amazing. It is artificial intelligence for everyone. It gives everybody the ability to harness AI in their everyday lives and from a platform perspective to put into our applications to build intelligent apps. And then Einstein Analytics is analytics that you can get, you can slice and dice and see everything you need about your business in just a few clicks. So all of these products fit really well together and they're super fun to market because they're on the cutting edge and they sort of underlie everything we do at Salesforce. And so previous to this, you were working with Pardot, which was marketing automation. Yes. And so kind of tell me about the switch from marketing automation into this side. Yeah. So I loved Pardot and Pardot is a fantastic product and it was super fun to market to other marketers because a lot of the time. I would say to the team, like, I'm your buyer. I'm the person that you want to sell to. So, you know, use me as a litmus test for when things work or not. And then about two years ago, uh, Stephanie Buscemi, who's now CMO at Salesforce, came to me and said, we want you to run what at the time was called AppCloud. 
And I said, I have no business doing this. <laughs> I, I know marketers. I know marketing. And I want to talk to marketers. And she said something really insightful. She said, because you market to marketers and because you are able to, to make the complex simple, we want you to work on platform. Because platform sometimes can be a little bit more technical. We want you to demystify what platform is and make it easy and simple and Salesforce-esque. And so that's what I spent the last two years doing. You know, it's really interesting when we talk to Alvina Antar on IT Visionaries, who's the CIO of Zora, she has the same exact situation where yeah. she's the CIO and they're selling to other CIOs. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to be the trusted advisor, but kind of be able to take a step back and be like, hey, I'm listening to your pains. I'm I'm right there with you. But exactly. kind of be a somewhat biased but also unbiased, you know, person that's going to listen to the customer, right? Exactly. So for your inspirations in getting into marketing, were there any people like early on that were either mentors or folks that you aspired to be like or anything like that? Yeah. So again, I, this is probably not the response that you were looking for, but in high school and college, I loved the show Melrose Place and yes. they had the advertising agency. And again, like I knew, I knew then it was very, I mean, a soap like s portrayal, but again, they would show the meetings where they would go in and their client or their, it would be like, here's the problem that we have. And then part of the show with all the other crazy stuff that was going on would be them trying to figure out the creative ways to solve the problem. And to me, again, when knowing from an early on stage that that's what I wanted to do, this whole, how can you take a problem and solve it? with messagings, with words and emotions, which essentially is a lot of what marketing is. So that was probably the biggest inspiration. And I tell people that and they think I'm making it up, but that's true story. You can ask my college roommates right there. No, it's, I think it's pretty similar to how people view Mad Men where it's like, just, I, and there's so many things that are wrong with yeah. that, with that many whole things thing, many wrong. things, yes. right? But the idea that I think there is something a little pro-aspirational about the dramatization of marketers as something cool. Like yes. at the end of the day, it's a really fun profession exactly. and it should be fun. And I think that there's a lot of folks that might at the end of the day be like, you know, something like Melrose Place or Mad Men is, is cheesy to a, a little yeah. bit, but it's also something that like shows the fun and exciting part about like helping people make decisions, right? Exactly. I mean, one of the most beautiful scenes in Mad Men is when he is talking about the Kodak the pictures, right? And yeah. it's just a machine that is showing pictures, but he makes it into a story that is emotional and connects to your heart. And that, and that's what marketing is, right? It's the, how do you connect to the emotion of what it is? And whether it's like a Kodak, you know, picture caddy, or it's platform or enterprise software, we're all kind of looking for that to make people remember what it is we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think the big difference, in my opinion, is that the big bridge that was crossed was from this idea of like advertising of just like pushing stuff in front of people's face to this idea of customer success of yes. like showing that it's not just about like yeah if you're you know drinking a coke this is how you feel to no these are actually this is what happens these are the results down the road of that thing and obviously it's different from like consumer versus b2b but exactly. in anything it's like what is the what does the future look like? And I think the best ads back in the day, the best television commercials, like showed how you were, you know, oh, it was fun using this product. It's one fun, it, it, yeah. like you showed the the customer or you showed the, the user using the product, but now you're actually using examples, real world examples of people using the product. Is, is that something that was hard to kind of figure out? I don't think it was necessarily hard to figure out because if, again, if you boil it down, and I think we do this at Salesforce a lot, we show how 
focusing on your customer success leads to your success, right? And I don't think it's really that difficult of a concept, but I think your, your point is valid. It goes from just the baseline showing of here's the that and here's how you use the thing to, okay, what does that mean longer term? And what does that mean for your customer and their long-term success and your own career success? And we see that with the trailblazer community that we have at Salesforce, right? Where people will say things like, the best thing I built on Salesforce is my career. So they're using our products to give success to their customers and their business, but they're also seeing this amazing trajectory in their own careers by focusing on that customer success. That's a really interesting idea. And one of the things that I find super fascinating about like Lightning Platform is this idea of like citizen development. Developers, yes. not not to get too deep into this because we're talking marketing, yes. but the idea though that the results of empowering your workforce to be yes. developers for you, like that type of thing, is really empowering. So if you're if you're marketing that and you're saying like, hey, look at the results that you could have here, like those are exciting outcomes that you could potentially like market to other people. Absolutely, and I and I think for me, like you touched on something that I'm very passionate about, and it's like again, what is marketing? Marketing is manipulating or or, or changing emotion to connect people with your product. But like what my team feels on platform, and you go back to what I said earlier about how do you take platform and make it more accessible and easy to understand. And like we view our mission as changing what it means to develop apps and what it means to be a developer, right? And that's that's an emotional connection. That's not here's this platform where you can build apps. It's like what we are trying to do and what we're trying to do through our messaging and our content and our materials and our website and everything is to show anyone, regardless of background, regardless of you know where they went to school or what they studied, that they can harness technology and build applications. And that that's emotional. And that's something that like, one, we can get people excited about, but two, as marketers of my team, that's a mission. That's like coming to work every day with like a mission to make the world a better place and empower people. And that's where you get this tipping point of passion and emotion to make your message really resonate with people. What, and this doesn't have to be Salesforce specific, but like what campaign or necessarily, because doesn't even have to be one of your campaigns, what campaign have you seen or done that you've been the most proud of? Yeah, and I, I, and I say this, this is the, it's the campaign that we're doing right now where it's, again, we are showing the world that the tagline is building apps is everyone's business. And this is kind of revolutionary, right? Because traditionally, the people who build apps were the developers in a room somewhere and you as a business user, which I am, be like, I need to build an app. I need this. And IT is like, we want to help you, but we can't. We have all these other things to do. And now we're like, no, no, no. This is a new era. Forget what you know about application development. Forget what you know about technology. There is a new way. And now you IT person and you business person can work together to harness this technology. Again, like that's shifting. That's like SaaS. That's like <laughs> the internet. Like that's like these major trends that are changing the way people work. And so we just launched that campaign and we're seeing a tremendous success. In fact, IT Visionaries is part of that, right? Because what, what, again, another challenge my team has or another mission we have is like, we need to educate the business users that this is possible, but we also have to bring IT along with us. And And part of the IT Visionaries podcast is let's find people that are doing it and have them tell other people how they're using these technologies to change their, their businesses. Yeah, I think it's a really, in, I mean, obviously, you know, we're very pro podcast here at The Mission yeah. because that's what we do. But I think that things like this, things like marketing trends or things you know, like IT Visionaries or education trends or some of the other things that we're working on, the future of cities, these type of awareness campaigns, I think it goes beyond the kind of like webinar yes. type mentality, which is we can bring you on, you can learn about the thing, you can ask questions into like what is at the cutting edge. And I think yes. that truly like marketing, the best marketers 
are trying to paint a picture of the future, right? So it, you need to be in the cutting edge. You need to be, you know, at the forefront of that stuff. And I think that it's one of the things that marketers struggle with is how do I paint a picture of the future yes. that is, you know, folks using my product? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're, I know you're talking about like, what's a marketing trend and something that I've seen in the 20 years, despite my youthful appearance, you guys can't see me, um, <laughs> is it is not just the why, it's the how. And customers are looking to companies and they were like, I understand the vision. You've sold me on the vision. Like I get the value prop. Now help me. And again, I think that's the shift. Like marketers need to be aware of that. Like you're not just showing the why. You need to take your customers on the journey with the how. And that impacts your marketing campaigns, the kind of content you put out, et cetera. What campaign over the course of your career were you, was the biggest learning experience for you? So I've had many learning experiences. <laughs> As we all have. We all have. And, you know, you get stronger from your less successful things. So I would say probably nine years ago, I worked at a company called Jigsaw that actually was acquired by Salesforce, yep. which is how I came into the Salesforce Ohana. And Jigsaw became... Jigsaw became data.com. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, use, I, was, I use data.com all the time. I used to, go. like four years ago, yeah. I used data.com all the time. Complete collaborate contact information, right? Hey. It still has a tagline. And we decided... And I, I'm even telling you the story. I'm like, I should have known then. Someone on my team came and she said, we need to do a viral campaign. And part of me was kind of like, uh, spidey senses are telling me I'm a little off on this because like, what does that mean? Like everyone wants something to go viral. And she's like, we need to create a online game where people go into an office and kill each other with staplers. And I remember oh, being wow. like... Okay, like let's and she and she pitched me on it and and she sold me on it and again in my gut I was like I don't know but I like edgy I like pushing the envelope so let's yeah. see it and we created it and it took months and way too much money and we finally saw it and I showed it to our CEO and he looked at me and he was just like what what is this he's like we're perpetuating violence people are throwing staplers at like Shannon what is this and I was like you're right. And for me, it was a learning experience because one, I should have trusted my gut. And two, as a marketer, you have to be conscious of the world around you, right? And I think like in isolation, maybe it would have been okay. Maybe some people would have shared this game with their friends where they were killing each other with staplers. But like in a climate of violence, like it just, it just was wrong. So I will say the one good thing about that is he stopped me, but his questioning of me made me know enough to be like, I'm not going to fight this. Like he is right learning experience. Lord knows where that is now, but it never saw the light of day. That is, pr that's a pretty good one, but it didn't go out. So you It have didn't that. go out. Have, yes. Have you heard the, I forget who said this, but basically the idea that your CMO is supposed to do like 70% stuff that works, 20% stuff that they don't know if it's going to work and 10% stuff that they're not going to tell the CEO about. I, I actually think that's really, really interesting. It's great, I, right? I think just... Having been in marketing a long time and worked a lot with marketers, I think what's interesting, I think marketers in particular, we have a hard time with failure because our whole jobs are how do we tell the, the positive story about something. And I think it, it would be interesting from an industry perspective to embrace something like that, where it's like, how do we do things and they fail? And it's okay to... Like, I don't tell that story about my stapler killing video game that I tried to produce very often because I don't, it's not something that we're comfortable doing, but I think we'd be so much better if we were able to 
embrace that a little as an industry. No, I totally agree. Hey, maybe that's maybe that's part of the point of marketing trends. Share some share some failures. You know, I think things like that really illustrate that you need to think outside of the box. I think the concept of waste is really interesting. Like yeah. back in the day, the idea of waste, like you wasted so much advertising and now we're we've kind of moved the other direction where it's like everything has to be tracked. But it's like if you're operating at zero waste, you're also limiting inherently the number of people that you're reaching, right? Absolutely. Because like you need to push that, you need to push the level that you're reaching in order to maximize those results. So like exactly. there has to be a give and take there. Yes. And and I think that, that that idea that it's like a campaign that has a 40% click-through rate versus a 60% click-through. Those are super high, but you know what yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, I would like that. If you let me know how to figure that yeah, out. No, I just, yeah, we'll say 0.01% yeah, exactly. click-through rate and 0.005% click-through rate. But but the idea being that marketers are generally, like you said, uncomfortable with the idea of failure that campaigns didn't go well. But a lot of times like you need the flops to realize like, hey, it could have worked and you have to bake that into the into your strategy. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I always tell people, you know, and this is not unique to me, but like marketing is half art, half science. And I think in the Mad Men days, it was very much the art. I think we're definitely going into the world where it's more science, which is not necessarily bad, but to your point, clicks measure so much. And how do we have a more holistic view of sort of the power of our marketing campaigns? And that's something, again, where I think it's part art, part science in determining what really is working and what's not. And how do you view top of funnel? I think the way you're talking about, I think once people are in the funnel, I think we have a different, now it's so advantageous to be a marketer now because you know when people are in the funnel, like that's great. But I think it's still getting people into that. Like that's really... The top of the funnel stuff, I think, is where there's going to be so much experimentation and exactly. so much innovation over the next decade because really people don't know. What do you kind of see with like brand awareness plays, brand plays? How are you looking at that? Yeah, I think when I think top of funnel, it goes back to what I said earlier. I think a lot of that is the how, not the why, right? Because I think regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what product you're marketing, everybody comes into their office every day and sits at their computer. They want to do things better and they want to know what their peers are doing and they want to know what the trends are. And so from my perspective, how do you tie your product to those trends and how do you provide the information that's top of funnel around that so you can start the relationship and that's where marketing automation comes in. You need to give them a hook or something that shows that you can be a trusted advisor, that you understand their pain, that you understand where the industry is going. You get them in and then you have the dialogue through, you know, marketing automation and through like when I think of the funnel, there's the top of funnel, which is thought, this thought leadership. Yep. The middle of the funnel to me is where it's how products can solve the pain that's maybe in the the top. And then the bottom is when you bring the product in. And if you start introducing the product too early in that funnel, people will step back. And so again, how do you go from like trends, the how, and then it's like, here's how you can fix it to, and oh, by the way, this is my product. The product that I want to sell you can fix it. That's great. We need to put that infographic on the mission somewhere. Oh, I think I have one somewhere. I might be able to find one. Yeah, we we definitely need to get it. So Software, I think, is something that people are becoming more and more able to market is a little bit more understandable, but it still can be pretty confusing. How do you kind of keep the complex simple? And I know that's something that you've, you're working on a lot now is like 
the difference between IT leaders and business leaders, for example, there's yeah. a huge gap there in understanding a lot of times or any really business units with technical experts. How are you kind of keeping those complex things simple? Yeah. I mean, Mark Benioff, our CEO, always talks about the beginner's mind. And I think that's very important in marketing too, because sometimes we get so close <laughs> to our things. And like, I assume you know what I'm talking about because I've been talking about it for six months or a year or two years. And I think I, we will have meetings with my team where we will pitch new messaging or talk about a new concept. And then I'll be like, okay, stop. If I had no contacts and I'm looking at your slide or I'm reading your blog post or I'm looking at this webpage, would I understand? And then we always, we ask ourselves, you're like, you're right. Like this is a little too insider speak for what it is. And, and you have to like make a conscious effort to do that because if not, you're talking to yourself and you're talking to the people around you who have the same perspective because they've been working on the same thing. And then, and then if you do that, that's where you layer the metrics on top, right? Because, yeah. okay, so we did that and it passed through our test of, does this make sense? Are we looking at this with a beginner's mind? And then you can see, is it an email? Are people clicking on it? Is it a piece of content? Are they downloading it, right? You can layer that on top. And if, and if they're not, then it's like, okay, well, we missed something in here in terms of how we're explaining it. What are some important truths that you believe about marketing that people probably wouldn't agree with you on? I think anyone can be in marketing, but that's different from everyone is a marketer. That's good, yeah. And what I mean by that is, and we talked about this before in the pre-conversation, like when you're building a team, you need diverse perspectives, right? On a team of different backgrounds, right? Because you want to market in a way that the most people can understand. And so- Sometimes I will see talent or, or see someone and I'm like, you would be a good marketer. And they're like, but I, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not a marketer. I'm, I'm in a C or I'm in sales or I'm in product. And I was like, no, but you, you have that ability to tell a story or understand concepts that, that would be good in that. And so that's what I mean by anyone as a marketer. That is very different than everyone having an opinion about marketing, which again, everyone often has opinions about things. And so it's like, that's the sort of delineation. Like some people might think they are a marketer and I'm sure they can be, but that doesn't mean what they're saying right in that moment needs to change your whole marketing campaign. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, I think that kind of what you're talking about there is just general empathy of like, if you can be empathetic yeah. and think like your customer, then you can be a good marketer. But if you can't do that and you just want to create stuff and push it out into the world and not listen, then you're Absolutely. not going to be a good one. Yeah. One person's opinion is not a marketing campaign. Yeah, a totally. marketing strategy. How do you generate like word of mouth and kind of facilitate those like one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with customers where they can then share, you know, their best practices and share with their peers? Yeah. I think talking to your customers as a marketer is very important. And, and, and throughout my 20 year career, I've been surprised at some, how many marketers I sometimes meet who don't talk to their customers. And in fact, some of the marketing ideas that I have come from the way our marketers see our product and the, the marketers see our brand and our messaging. I think I mean, I look as as our customers, so they're, they're an extended part of our, we have the concept of Salesforce Ohana. Our customers are an extended part of our Ohana. Yeah. So, I mean, here's an example. So we have done workshops where we bring people in and we show them how to use the tools to, to build apps. And we're like, you know what? 
there's no reason like we have to be the people that deliver this information. And our customers were actually like, can you give us this? And I'm going to go take it back to my office. I'm going to go take it back to my user group and I'm going to show people. Right. And so I think we're going to like, are they customers? They're just part of our extended Ohana. And so how can we take everything that we have and give it to them in ways that they can then use it, you know, and it goes back to like, they're helping their customers they're also helping their own careers and we're all kind of using the same content together. You know, it's funny. We, I mean, we do the same stuff at the mission where we create obviously tons of content and people ask, I got an email today. It was like, Hey, can we, can we do a blog post of one of the interviews that you guys, you all did? It's like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, like, it's like, I don't, it's not, you know, even if you don't link back, I'm not too worried about it. I think people get like obsessed with, are we getting a link back? Are they using our stuff? Is it on one of our channels? Is it going to be like, and it's stuff like that. You're like, we've had a problem in the past with like random outlets taking all of the stuff off of blog posts, yeah. and like publishing it wherever, completely unattributed and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that stuff happens. Yeah. But what are you going to do at the end of the day? It's still our messaging and our, our thought leadership that's getting out there. So yeah. I, I think it's probably just the cost of doing business. Well, and I, and I think, again, when you think about a trend, it's like who owns content, right? And is is there an owner of content? No, it's once you put it out there, it, it is for the community. It is for the users to consume and act on versus controlling it directly back yeah. to you. And, right? and, I, and I get the other side too of, you know, I think especially in the culture right now where you have people, you know, screenshotting Twitter you know, tweets and then putting it on Instagram, like unattributed and making yeah. money off that. I totally understand that there, that stuff is, it's not great. So I want to say that, but, but the idea though, if you're creating content internally, or if you're creating things that are useful, letting your customers use that is a no brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. Where do you see people like blow the most money or, or just not appropriate funding correctly? So I think marketers, we have a reputation for spending a lot of money. And I, I honestly think it depends. And I think people, it's a hard question to answer because if you have a strategy and what you are spending on supports that strategy and you are measuring it, it's hard to say you're blowing money. I do think that said, sometimes I will get things sent to me and I'm like, this was an interesting piece of swag that is being sent to me, which is an expensive thing. And one of my biggest pet peeves is with all the data and all of our tools, when I get something that is meant to be personalized and they personalize it wrong. And so my thing is, you went through all this effort to send me something either virtually or physically, like you had to have someone write it, you had to have someone design it. And then you're assuming I'm male or you're calling me Janet, you know, like, and I'm just like, you just, you just blew any chance you have. Like that was a complete waste of money. So again, it's, it's like, if your marketing is supporting your strategy, great. But if it's not, and if it's sloppy in some instances, you really need to think about what you're doing. That's a great, great tidbit there, because I think there's so much that we do for personalization now. And you see people screw it up, even just with marketing automation. Yes. Like putting the person's name wrong. It's like, just like, don't put the name in there yeah. if you're going to get it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, right? Exactly. But I th- people people do that so much with cold emails. Yes. I mean, we believe at the mission that like you don't send a cold email unless you've done all the research and like that's a cold email should be this person 
needs our service, uh, you know, all of that sort of exactly, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. I got an email the other day and people were like, we would like you to invite you to this HR conference. I'm like, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile totally. for half a second, you would see I've done marketing. Like, why would I be yeah. interested in this? So. Although you could be great, which is a great segue yeah. to a question about teamwork and building teams. How do you view building a team? Obviously, you know, you said you have a team of around 70 folks. How do you view that? And you came to Salesforce when it was, you know, around like 4,000 employees, right? And now it's well over 30. So, you know, you've seen a lot of growth there. How do you build a team that's scaling fast and where do you look for talent? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I I would say I'm obviously passionate about marketing. I've dedicated my whole career, but I'm equally as passionate about team building, team culture and growing people's careers on my team. And so I think about it at length a lot. I think there's a couple of things. I mean, going back to what something I said earlier, like when I'm hiring, background is less important to me than looking for people who are collaborative, who are positive, and they are self-starting, right? Because I firmly believe if you take everything else, you know, school, anything, like if people embody that, and you put them together, great things will happen. And it's actually better the more diverse perspectives if you have people who have lived in different countries and worked in different industries or maybe don't even have a traditional marketing background. If they all share that collaborative, positive, self-starting mentality, that's the best possible thing to do. And I think, you know, you mentioned that the amazing scale Salesforce has had. One thing that I've modeled off of sort of Mark's management style is transparency, right? And so the bigger you get, the more transparent you need to be because you need to keep everyone aligned and focused on the same thing. And when you go from a team of five, which I think I had when I joined Salesforce, to a team of 70, how do you share with your team the mission, the latest things that are going on, the challenges that we're seeing? So again, those collaborative, positive, self-starting people, we can all face it together. Do you do fun offsites? I like fun a lot. <laughs> what kind of fun? We actually offsites? went to the Giants game last night. Oh, yeah. Nice. I actually don't like the Giants. But the team likes the Giants. Yeah. So we do Giants games. We like to do VTO. VTO is a huge part of our culture at Salesforce. It's volunteer time off. Oh, so yeah, yeah, one totally. one one. You know, we give our employees time, and so that's one of the greatest team building. Those volunteer events are just as fun as Giants events. We do those regularly. I have a culture committee on my team, so each of my sub teams has a person on this culture committee, and they're part of the people that determine how do we welcome new people to our team? How do we create a cadence of team building events? So it's giving, again, the team ownership and the ability to impact what we do is great because it's not just me being like, let's do this. It's the collective voices of the group being like, this is what we want to do. Yeah. I So we joined 111 almost yeah. pretty much when we founded the company. I yeah. mean, like almost, yeah. almost right away with the same sort of idea. But I think that that sort of stuff is, is so positive and for folks that don't really know what that is or, or don't do that, but basically, yeah, you give 1% of your time, time product, product and profit. profit. Thank yeah. you. And so we, we volunteer, but when you volunteer as a team together, yeah, great things happen. Yeah. Any places where you find hidden gems, hidden talent? You know, I, I think that's a hard question. I, I think talent is everywhere. And again, if you look at it from diverse perspectives, different backgrounds are valued, you can really find it anywhere. I mean, I think another great thing about Salesforce is there's so many talented people here and people have the opportunity to, maybe they're in the sales org and they want to move to product marketing, right? Which is a great way. And then I think 
referrals and people like, you know, personal referrals and then professional referrals. And then sometimes we just get people the old fashioned way. And again, they just have that outlook on life and that experience that matches what we're looking for and bring them in. Yeah. I think, I think society is not really built right now for people to change careers. I think it's really hard for people to make the jump. But when you have someone who's super passionate about learning a new career, I think that that's that's a really good way to find talent. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But again, that's where that's where Salesforce comes in in our mission, though, yeah. right? If you think of Trailhead and you think of what we talked yeah, about earlier, totally. like we're trying to do that for people. And of course, we model that in our own behavior around, to your point, like maybe you don't have the traditional background, but you're willing to learn. We're giving you the tools to learn. And again, you have that positive self-starting mentality, then you can be successful here. Best piece of advice for a first-time marketing exec? Be your authentic self. I wish I would have been my authentic self sooner in my career. Why Why do you say that? I think when you are focusing on thinking you have to be a certain way, it impacts your ability to focus on marketing. And I think when you are your authentic self and you can stand up for your opinions and you can talk about the value of marketing because again different organizations value marketing differently I love Salesforce because we value marketing a lot here but not every organization might do that yeah that's true to be able to explain why marketing is important in a way that's authentic to yourself I, I've never seen someone be their authentic self and not be successful I love it okay lighting round are you ready I'm ready I'm nervous but I'm ready what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun candy crush Candy Crush. Yes. Gamer. Mobile yes. or mobile. iPad? No, mobile. I, I take the shuttle and I just play Candy Crush on my phone. Favorite time-saving tool? Quip. Yeah. I have one notes and I just take notes, like one big thing of notes, yeah. and then I can just search and I can go. Favorite team, sports or otherwise? I like Britney Spears a lot. Does that not count? <laughs> I don't think you that, like that answer. That counts. That 100% counts. Nice. Favorite podcast? IT Visionaries. Favorite book that you've read recently? Bad Blood, the one about Elizabeth Holmes. There's, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, great book. Favorite show or content that you're watching? Walking Dead. Are you into the spinoff? Not as much. I don't like I don't like those people as much, like the original. Favorite one day getaway in the Bay Area? Oh, Carmel. Favorite Dreamforce moment? Dancing on stage with Florida. That's hilarious. I did not know. I will send you pictures. I send them to all my friends. Thing you're most excited about for the future of marketing? The marketing tech evolving at the rate that it is, which again allows us to have better insights into what we're doing and connect with our customers better. Final question. What are you most excited about for Dreamforce this year? Dancing on stage with Run DMC. I love it. That's it. That's that's it for the lighting round. And what else? Any any final thoughts? No, this was really fun. Awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out and talking about marketing trends. Awesome. Thanks. the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.